0: You're listening to The Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to The Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joya. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you carved out 25 minutes and changed to study the Word of God alongside us. We're in the middle of a series titled Wild Unity. The Bible says, where there is unity, God commands his blessing and the crazy thing about unity is regardless of how charismatic the leader is or how crystal clear the vision is you cannot make people unify unity is an individual choice and so um, we talked about the things that can disrupt unity over the last few weeks we opened up with gossip the bible says these six things the lord hates the seventh is an abomination, those who sow discord among the brethren. I think sometimes in the church we make the mistake of like categorizing sin. We're like, ooh, adultery, really, really bad gossip. Uh, it's more like a weakness. But there isn't a stronger word in the English language that God could have used to describe his feelings towards gossip. It separates. It divides. And then we talked about the dangers of cliques. That's kind of a relatively newer word, but the Bible refers to them as factions, groups of people that kind of alienate the rest of the group. Um, and the danger of showing partiality towards a certain group, James warns us, you know, not to reserve the best seats for people that are wearing gold rings and then somebody uh, that's poor, ask them to sit at the back. And so we need to make sure that we're not categorizing and judging people according to their looks or interests or political views, um, which it can be a danger. And if we're honest, it does happen at work and in church and in politics. So, you know, the Bible is, instructs us to be vigilant against that. And then last week, We talked about sarcasm guarding our speech because when we begin to use foolish talk, uh, the Bible refers to it as coarse talk. Um, It's kind of an, it's not kind of, it is an indicator of what's in our heart because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so our words are meant to heal, not to steal, not to denigrate someone else, but we're meant to be bridge builders. And something that you'll hear me say often is that Regardless of who you meet in this world, they are one decision away from becoming your brother and sister. And so we want to be bridge builders. And our words, the Bible says also in the book of James, has the power of life and death. It is in our tongue. And so we can choose to speak death or we can choose to speak life. And so we want to speak life. And so today we're going to kind of wrap up this whole series. Um, Just think of it as two bookends. We talked about the blessing of unity. The dangers of what can divide and separate and we're gonna talk gonna land on uh, the blessings of community once again. but I kind of wanted to take a different angle. I wanted to camp out in in the book of Acts because here's the here's a picture of the church that's really formulating in its infant stage. They're kind of trying to figure this whole thing out. but before I do that, I want to take you all the way back to Genesis the very, 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 very beginning, okay? and so I'm gonna be, uh, Tapping on some of those Sunday school uh, memories, but in the beginning, God created the sun, the moon, the stars. He weighed every ounce of water in the palm of his hand. Um, he put the trees, right, and the creeping things along the world. So it was the creation story, right? And on the sixth day, God created man. And everything, at the end of every day, he said, this is good. This is good. This is good. And then he created man and said, this is very good. But, there was, but that was followed up by a problem. In fact, it was man's very first problem. And the Bible says in Genesis 2.18, this is God's words, it is not good for man to be alone. So the very first problem that man faced was that he was alone. And the answer to that problem from God was to create Eve. The answer to man's first problem was community. And so we were not meant to live like a monk you know, up in the mountains. We were meant to share our lives with our brothers and sisters. In fact, God sees from the very beginning that it's not good for man to be alone, that man needs to be in community. And so the early church, as described in the book of Acts, lived in community and also displayed great power. Uh, The Bible says in Acts 2, 42 through 47, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper. So he's making a distinction there. They ate like pizza and they also took the Lord's communion together and to prayer. They dedicated themselves to this. And then it says a deep sense of awe, reverence, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, not some, but many. That means majority. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship who were being saved." That is a scripture that I would encourage each and every single one of you to read throughout the week and to really meditate on it because there's no way that we can unpack that in 25 to 30 minutes. There's so much, it's so rich. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate and expand things in there for you. But this is the best picture for us as believers to look at what the church should be doing and should look like. First of all, I just I wanna highlight a couple of takeaways. Number one, at the very beginning, it said all the believers devoted themselves to this. So when you say all, the church is brand new. There's 120 up in that upper room. And Remember the Holy Spirit descended upon them and they began to speak in unknown tongues. And then there was a mass gathering and then people heard them in their own native language. And then there was a mass repentance. People turned away from their sin and, the, and 3,000 came into the kingdom of God. So what you do is you have people that were walking with Jesus that witnessed His signs, wonders, and miracles actually stepped into the signs, wonders, and miracles that heard everything Jesus had to say, that saw his death, that saw his resurrection, and you have people that just got saved the day before. And they're all doing life together. Again, the danger of factions, you know, not not pairing off and saying, well, we were the ones that walked with Jesus, so we'll eat dinner over here, and we're the ones that just gave our lives to Christ, so we'll live over here. No, 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 I said, All of them dedicated themselves to these things together. So it's important for us to understand that we need everyone to participate. Again, unity, individual choice. Community flowed from what God had done in their lives. The community that flowed in the book of Acts flowed from what God had done in their individual lives. It wasn't like a slick uh marketing church program where they put up flyers on all the tents and said, We're gonna meet on Thursday night and we're gonna discuss this. No, it was just an outflow, an outpouring of what God was doing in their lives, and they were sharing testimonies and they were like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. God did this for us as well. And they're unpacking all of this and sharing all of this, iron sharpening iron, and they're and they're encouraging one another in their brand new faith. Number two thing I want to highlight is that they, they ate meals together. And now back in that day, you know, we have like fast food. So we can go through, drive through, we can get our food and eat in 15 minutes to be done. But back then it was like a big deal. They would sit and they would recline at the table and they'd eat for hours and they would have conversation. They didn't have their cell phones and so they weren't scrolling. They were actually paying attention to the person that was sharing and they were listening. And so this is something I think we need to do a better job as a church, but also as a society of getting back to, of having dinner around the table, unpacking our day, listening to the... To you know, the, what's inside the hearts of the people that we're sharing life with? We live in this like text message quick 120 characters on Twitter, and I just don't think that we were meant to live life that way. So these, the disciples, dedicated themselves to spend slowing down and spending time with one another, and having the faith to believe that yes, they needed to win the world and disciple the world, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. That was the charge that Jesus gave them. But they had the faith to know that they could stop, pause, share, and break bread with one another, and share testimonies and spend time with each other. Third thing I wanted to highlight is that they were meeting the needs of everyone. The Bible says in Philippians 4.2, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of Others. They no longer looked at one another as, well, you're from this geographical region and you're from this geographical region, or you're of this creed and you're of this creed. No, they understood that they were adopted into the same family, that they were now brothers and sisters. And so if there was lack in anyone's life, they were going to come together as a community and meet that lack. And one of the ways they did that is by selling some of the things that they possessed. So some of them had land, some of them had livestock, some of them had precious metals, and they would sell those things to be able to meet the needs of those in their community so that the Bible says none of them lacked. Can you imagine a community of believers from all all different socioeconomic walks of life coming together to make sure that no one lacked. And that is the truest picture of what the church should look like. Now, when I share that, I'm sh- I'm sure some of you get a little uncomfortable and you're and you may be saying to yourself, geez, that sounds an awfully like a lot like socialism." But can I just make this statement because I've even heard Christians say that if Jesus was walking the earth, he would be a socialist and I'm Emphatically disagree with that. If Jesus were walking the earth, he would not be a socialist. And how do you get that, Matt? We can look at the parable of the talents. The one he gave one, two, and five. And he came back and he, he wanted to check on where they were at. And the one that made five, you know, had five, he had doubled, so he gave him more. And the one that had two had doubled and he gave him more. And the one that had one he went and buried his talent and the master took that away from him if 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 Jesus were a socialist sharing this story he would have had the he would have had the, the person that had five talents share some of his extra talents with the one that had one but he did not do that and so i don't i think it's important for us to understand that yes God blesses us and we want to make sure that everybody's taken care of, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to live in a socialistic or even communist uh, society. But yes, we do have, we we bear a responsibility um, to make sure that everybody in our sphere is taken care of. And God blesses us so that we can be a blessing, not so that we can hoard, not so that we can support this ridiculously amazing life and never take care of anyone. In fact, he provides seed to the sower, meaning if you give, God's gonna give you more. Not so you can sit on these hoard piles of gold and treasure, but he knows, man, this individual is willing to give when I put something in his hand, so I'm gonna keep on putting in his hand. And yes, that takes care of you. And God wants you to have you know, a nice life. And he wants to be able to provide above and beyond what you need. But he's looking for people that are willing to sow into the needs of others around them. In the book of Acts, they just got that. They just understood that. And so I think we as a church, in order to have a successful community, in order to be able to have unity, need to take a look around. And if somebody's lacking, if somebody's having a hard time, then we need to make sure that we come alongside them and help them. And sometimes it doesn't just look like, wiping out all of their debt, or just giving them everything, but coming alongside them with our time and helping them develop the skills so that they can create their own revenue for themselves. So don't put it inside of a box, but we should be sharing our time, our talent, and our treasure with our community. Whew, that was a lot. So I hope that you got that. Um, So it also goes Okay. And so as, as the church also, so that you had these new believers that were coming in, you had these people that were walking alongside Jesus and you had all kinds of different varying schools of thought. And the Bible talks about, they had a unity of faith. Okay. And the unity of faith is something that, um, It's the major doctrine that have kept the church together for over 2,000 years. So what am I talking about? Okay, we can't divide over doctrines that aren't important uh, or essential to salvation. If that, okay. So let me give you an example. Some believe that women shouldn't preach in church. I personally believe that women can teach in church. It's not something that we should divide over. You can have your your opinion, and I can have mine, and we can can debate. Paul said we refuted the scriptures daily, and that's okay, but we can't just have this camp and say, well, we don't talk with them. We don't work alongside them. We're divided from them because we believe everything they believe except women in ministry, or the gift of tongues. Well, we don't believe in the gift of tongues. We believe it died with the apostles. Well, we believe that the gift of tongues is for us because there's nowhere in Scripture that says that it died with the apostles. And, you know, and, and, and Paul tells us you know, that we should covet these gifts. And so we shouldn't divide over those things. In fact, sitting down at the table and discussing and sharing those might, you know there was a time that we didn't always see the world the way that we see it right now. And so we need to be having these conversations. We shouldn't divide. But if you say that Jesus isn't the son of God, we're not seeing eye to eye. If you say that Jesus didn't rise raised from the dead, we're not seeing eye to eye, okay? If you say that Jesus' blood didn't atone for our sins, we are not seeing eye to eye. This is the core tenets of our faith that unites the church and unifies us together. And we can work out the other things in the faith by having discussion, but not dividing. See, Jesus said in Matthew twelve twenty five. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. These are Jesus's words. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. So here's Jesus warning us. If you start to divide over every scripture, then you're not gonna be able to stand. You're not gonna be unified. And I command my blessing on unity. You're not gonna even be able to stand. Our unity in community is important to God. The Bible says in John 17:22, "The glory that you have given me," this is Jesus speaking, "I have given to them." So Jesus is saying to God, "I've given this to them that they may be one even as we are one." So Jesus is saying that just like you and I are connected in the Trinity, I've given my glory to man so that they can be one with the Father and one with the Son and one with the Holy Spirit. I in them, them and you in me. So we're all together in the household of faith so that there may be brought to complete unity. I've given them my glory so that they can be unified with each other and with Us. And so we see that clearly in Scripture, and I don't think many people are going to blow up the comments section and say that there shouldn't be unity in the church. In fact, many of you that are listening to this will probably say, duh, we know that there should be unity. We know that there should be community. We agree with that. But here's the problem. Here's the fine print on that power statement. Community is messy because people are messy. They're not going to fit into your little boxes, okay? Everybody sees the world differently. It's the unity of faith that connects us and binds us, but we still have, we were raised differently. You cheer, you cheer for the Red Sox, I cheer for the Yankees. I mean, we see the world differently, right? And so I think It's great to love this idea of community in this abstract form, but it's another thing to enjoy real community with real people who have real problems and bring their real ish to the table. That's where things get a little bit more difficult. See, theoretical community is easy, okay? It's easy to tweet. It's easy to hang a plaque on your living room wall. But real community always involves things like, get ready, risk, patience, misunderstanding, sacrifice, hurt, repentance, forgiveness, and grace. These are required in order for us to be able to have authentic gospel community. In fact, gospel community isn't really that complicated. It just really isn't that easy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. This is an amazing quote. Stop searching for some perfect ideal that doesn't exist and just start loving the people that are around you. I've been serving the Lord for over 20 years. I've been heavily connected in the local church and the parachurch and everything that's under the sun, the fivefold ministry. And I can't tell you how many people I have seen that may attend a church. And then when something goes wrong, when something goes a little bit off, when something becomes a little uncomfortable, they just ghost that church, ghost that pastor, and they jump into another church until it happens again. And they repeat the whole cycle all over again. But the Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. We are called as believers to plant, to allow our roots to grow deep into the church so that we can grow into all God has destined us to be. But the problem is when we start to rub up against other people's ish and problems and shortcomings then we get easily offended. And so rather than lean into that uncomfortableness, we jump ship and we plant somewhere else. But do you know what happens to a plant when you keep on replanting it? You take it out of its pot and you plant it in this. And then after three months, you take it out of that pot and you plant it here. It's root system dwarfs. And it will produce less fruit. And if you continue to do it, that plant will eventually die. The Bible says that God sets the members in the body as he pleases, not as we please. God has a church for you and your family to plant in. But the pressures of and storms of life are going to come. And you find, if you study horticology, plants, that when the storms of life come, it actually causes the plant or the tree to send its roots even deeper. Man, if I was in a charismatic church, I'd say we are preaching right now. I hope that you hear what I am saying is that that uncomfortability, people's ish in their mess, actually causes you to go deeper with the Lord, ultimately resulting in you growing in to your matured destiny and producing fruit in this world man, I'm just passionate, I'm excited because I think that's a blind spot for so many people and we miss it in the church because the minute we don't like the worship, the minute we don't like, who knows, the the new LED screen that they put behind uh, the worship team, people just bounce out and they're just starting to gain maturity. I can't tell you, I've seen this as becoming, I've been a pastor for a year and a half exactly, okay? And I've already seen people jump, I've already witnessed people be a member of four different churches in the amount of time of a year and a half. I've already witnessed it. Our church being one, another church down the road, a church in another city. And you're just not going to grow. You're stunting your growth. And eventually, if, you're going, if you keep on doing it, you're going to stop going to church altogether. So... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I shared so much. Okay, so I want to take the last few minutes, okay, and I want, to, I want to put a big bow on this thing of community because it's so important to God. I want to highlight three things that we must focus on as a church. There are many things, but for the sake of time, we're going to focus on three things that are going to help us create and cultivate authentic community. Number one, prioritize people. Okay, there's your alliteration because I'm a pastor and I can't help myself. Prioritize people, PP. Um the Bible says to esteem others higher than yourself. The book of Acts if you if you if you look at it and you take the time to study it and to meditate on it, you will see that the disciples and the ones that were newly saved coming into the kingdom, they prioritized people. They made time for people. And I and you know time is is our most precious commodity on this earth. You can always get more money, but you can't get more time. And so when you give your time, it's one of the great it's one of the greatest gifts that you can give. But we were meant To do life alongside one another. I share this all the time that the gospel advances through relationship. Jesus wasn't this um, rogue preacher. He brought the disciples along with him. And the disciples were from all different walks of life, okay? You got, you got a zealot, you got, you got a fisherman, you got a tax collector, you got all these different kinds of people that probably saw the world all kinds of different ways. They must have had some amazing conversations around the fireplace. But Jesus inserted himself in the mess of all of their issues to try to disciple, not try, and he did disciple them. And that's what's required of us. We must be willing to roll up our sleeves and get a little dirt under our fingernails in the messiness of sharing our lives with others. Number two, family follows faith. Another alliteration for you, okay? Three Fs. Family follows faith. As we pursue our faith, in Jesus. You are going to see, and as you spend time meditating on God's word, that we are a family. And the most important thing you can do is spend time with your family, okay? Show me somebody that just loves God and doesn't love people. I'll show you somebody that hasn't spent, been spending time with God and isn't reading their Bible, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Because if you love God and you spend time with God, then you're going to love his children and you're going to wanna spend time with his children. Point blank, there's no other way around it. And so the evidence of you spending time with God is going to show in how much time you're willing to spend with others. Inconvenient truth, I know that that's hard to hear, but it is so true. Again, another problem, I see so many people run to the hills and study the Word of God and they're like, they don't wanna do life with people because it's hard. It's difficult to do life with people, but it's what we're called to do. And it's ultimately where you'll find that true sense of fulfillment and joy. Number three, go with grace. Another alliteration, GG, okay, go with grace. The local church is brought together by grace, for grace. Recipients of grace are givers of grace. So we give what we have. If you can only give what you have, if you don't have it, you can't give it. Over and over again, the way forward in community is the way of grace. So let grace free you from the exhausting business of your own performance. You accomplishing the call that has been placed on your life isn't going to be a product of your hard work. It's gonna be a product of God's grace which takes you beyond your good work. It's God's grace moving in you. It's not going to leave you fatigued and tired because it's God's grace moving through you. Let grace move you, free you from the shame of your past. You've been set free. Your sin is as far as the east is to the west. That's God's grace that's been given to you. Let grace free you from the thin-skinned pride that makes you so easily offended. Let it go to the glory of a man to overlook an offense. Let it go. If somebody says something that's off color, believe the best in them and just let it go. You holding on to offense is only tormenting your soul, not theirs, because they may not even be aware of what they said, and it divides and it separates us. So let it go. Let grace free you from the judgmental spirit that's always finding fault in others, looking down on people. The disciples had the opportunity to be able to look down on these people that were just giving their lives to Christ, but instead they welcomed them in with open arms. Let grace free you from the stubborn refusal to repent of your sin. There may be some things that you're still just holding on to, but God can't set you free. God can't heal what you conceal and what you try to hide. Repentance is, is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. It simply means that you're turning away from your way of viewing the world and you're embracing the truth of God's word, which will ultimately set you free. Let grace. Grace free you to love generously, sacrificially, and unconditionally. We have been meant to love unconditionally because God loves us unconditionally. And then we repeat it the next day and the next day. Get up again tomorrow and schedule time with people. Act like family and choose grace in all situations. Do it again next week and next month, next year next decade. This is how we do community. This is how we bring glory to God. This is how we point people to God as unbelievers. This is who God has destined you to be. I'm believing by faith that as I've shared these scriptures and as you've committed Right, You committed to go back and to read these, that the Holy Spirit's gonna illuminate some areas in your life of maybe some things you can give up and make space and time for people because you need God's people in your life. That's why God tells us not to forsake the assembling of the saints. He knew it was gonna be a temptation to just withdraw, to just pull back, to just watch online all the time. But God has called us to do life alongside one another. And God knows what makes you and what breaks you. And here's God telling you, looking at creation, looking at the sun, moon, stars, looking at the water, looking at the creeping things along the ground, looking at man who he said was very good. And then he's there looking and he says, you know what? It's not good for man to live alone. And the answer to that problem Man's first problem was community. And so I hope that you will take to prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to show you your community, to show you and illuminate the church that you're called to lay your life down and plant your roots. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice that's watching, that's listening, and I just pray that that revelation would burn on the inside of their hearts and that you would lead them and guide them in this area. God, would give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.